overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, that was just overwhelming. All right, let's go to the book of Luke, the 11th chapter, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, and this is talking about the Lord, he's praying in a certain place when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven. Notice the very premise is that our Father is in a higher place than we are. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come whose kingdom his kingdom the heavenly kingdom come then he says thy will thy kingdom come thy will be done as in heaven so in earth in other words what you have planned in heaven let it become visible in earth wow now Isaiah said as the heavens are high above the earth so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts are what above our thoughts so he's saying here when you pray ask him that knows what's best for us ask him that can see further than we can see see we, we as as temporal beings most oftentimes are reactionary now, this may not be a good time, but just look at the person next to you and just say, you're reactionary. I don't want to start any fights, okay? Just... <laughs> you're reactionary. Because we as humans oftentimes can't see beyond the circumstances that we are in and so what we're trying to do is react in a way that at least gets us out of the circumstances that we're in but he that is from above that can see further than we can see that knows our tomorrow that knows everything about us says here's what you should pray what you have established in heaven let it take place in the earth how many is ready for that how many is ready for that father we thank you today for your word we thank you for each and every person that is here today my assignment is huge and, and I, I will do the best that I can do but I, I know today God that I cannot do it without you. 
and I need the divine touch of heaven to touch me so that these people are touched. And I pray that your word would speak into our lives, into our hearts, into our minds, and that before we leave here today, all of us can truly say, what you have designed in heaven, let it come to pass in the earth. And we will give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And you may be seated in his presence now. The, the great divide, the great divide is the divide between the flesh and the spirit, the spirit and the flesh. And of times when we look at, at the temporal, we look at the flesh, we, we look at worship, people responding in worship, we really try to make sense of it, try to understand it. Some people in their worship uh, get a little more exuberant than what the what other people do, and 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 sometimes you know they they shout a little louder, or their voice is a little louder, their hand clap is a little louder, and we're trying to make sense of it and try to understand. And and some of us are even like, uh, could you just hold it? down just a little bit and until you and I understand where true worship comes from true worship true praise was not the invention of modern day church true worship did not start with with praise bands and 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 worship leaders uh true worship is from eternity and through the scripture we we get a few glimpses into the eternal realm we are privileged to see be, beyond the the world that we exist in the the life that that we exist in which is the temporal that's the governing factor of of where we exist but there, there's another world that exists beyond this world. And, and this is why that Genesis begins with, with the creation story. Moses explaining the creation story is, is an attempt for humanity to see what goes on in another world. Because God is eternal. God was before anything was made. He was he existed before the trees and the, the the water and the land and the stars and all of these things. God existed way before that. So when Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says in the beginning, he is not talking about the beginning or the existence of God. He's talking about the existence of a physical world as we know it. Now, all throughout Scripture this is explained, even when he, as we've been talking the last couple of weeks, about how that man was first of all created in the image of God, which is in a spirit form, and then in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, you see that God formed a body so that the spirit could be seen because 
God is a spirit, and so He dwells in, in a realm that is not observed by the natural, the physical. He cannot be seen. That's why in, in John chapter 1, you will hear the words of the writer when he says, No man has seen God at any time. All throughout scriptures, any time that a person had an encounter with God, it was just God visible, uh, making himself visible through some kind of physical means. It, it was, he would make himself, that's why when you, when you look at the life of Abraham, you see that God, he, he positioned himself in a physical body. And, and so Abraham would say, the angel of the Lord is here, meaning that God had made himself visible in a form so that the physical world could observe him. Are you with me? Moses on the backside of the wilderness has an encounter with God in the form of a burning bush. What was it? God made himself observable to Moses in the physical realm so he could have a conversation with him. I think that's pretty awesome. I mean, how many, how many of you out here in West Texas, you're walking across the field and all of a sudden a, a bush would catch on fire and you'd be like, whoa, what's going on? And, and the Bible said that he observed the bush because even though the bush caught on fire, the bush was not consumed because God is eternal. And so he, he, he observed the eternal in a temporary physical observation. So when he observes the bush, now I don't know how long the bush was burning. It was just over there burning perpetually. And, and so Moses said, well, man, this thing's been burning for two days now. I think I'll turn aside and take a look. Well, when he got close to it, a voice came out of the bush and began to speak. How would you like that? The bush caught on fire is okay. What about when a voice comes out? Time to leave. It's time to get out of there, okay? But as he's standing there, God begins to speak. See, sometimes God makes some things visible in the present world, but because we're so active... We don't take time to stop and observe and listen. Because it's weird. Look at your neighbor and say, it's weird. But the only way that God can be observed in the physical realm is He has to make Himself in some kind of a visible form. See, we, we like to talk about the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. Anybody remember the story in Daniel? The three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace and, and, and the king came the next morning or the next afternoon, whenever it was, and he looked in and he said, wait a minute, did we not cast? I see God had made himself visible in the temporary so that he could show and reveal his power from eternity. 
See, so here, here's the, the conundrum that we find ourselves in, ladies and gentlemen, is we, we believe there's a God. That's what brings us here Sunday after Sunday. That's what creates a faith in our heart that there is a God, there is a higher power, there, there is someone who is supernatural, but then wrapping our temporal minds around the fact that there is an eternal God sometimes is difficult. Am I talking to anybody today? It's just real difficult trying to wrap your mind around that there's an eternal God because you and I are trapped in this specific time in a time capsule. A temporary dwelling place but see that is why Paul would say that there's a groaning that is going on inside of us there there's something inside of us that is groaning and Paul said it like this he said I'm groaning that I would be delivered from this physical time capsule see this is what happens when people uh, are diagnosed with some kind of a fatal disease and they begin to realize or you have a a moment where you come face to face with death a death experience and then you begin to understand that there's something bigger going on here there, there's something that is beyond the physical, beyond the realm of the here and now. And see, this was the whole premise of what God is trying to explain through His Word. He's trying to help us understand that even though we are bound by circumstances and we're bound by sickness sometimes and we're bound by uh, other things, good some and others bad, that what we're dealing with here is temporary. Am I talking to anybody today? What I'm dealing with here is temporary. And we begin the series by reading out of Psalms chapter 90 and verse 9 where it said that the years of a man are threescore years and ten and the reason of strength, they're longer. It's just full of strength, labor, and sorrow. And then the time capsule, the body is put off and the spirit goes back to God. See, this is why Paul, after his conversion to spirit living, he began to say things like this, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. He, he began to say things like that we have a treasure in an earthly tabernacle. Now, I, I, I pray today that I can help someone understand that what you can't see is much more valuable than what you can see. Now, now let me just let me just qualify this before I go any further. Be all that you can be. Get all that you can get. Be the best at you that you can be. But ladies and gentlemen, at the end of the day, see, Jesus would say things like this, and, and sometimes it's so annoying, but he would say things like this, take no thought for tomorrow. He would say things like, don't worry about what you're going to wear tomorrow. 
He, he would say sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Why? Because he understand one thing that in his human nature there is a propensity for us to worry about temporal things more than we worry about spiritual things. And so he says here in this prayer, he said, what you need to pray, you need to pray that the will of God that is established in heaven becomes the dictating source of my life. That what is in eternal is made visible in the time that I'm living right now. Now, let's go back to praise. We don't understand praise. What's what's going on with praise? Why, why does somebody just get beside themselves and, and act like, you know, they act and, and, and we're like, well, where does that come from? See, praise was not originated in the temporal. Praise was originated in the eternal. So, God would give us just a few visible points from scripture it's found in Isaiah chapter 6 and the Bible said in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord high and lifted up now what what is what is Isaiah seeing Isaiah is seeing beyond the temporal are y'all with me today I don't want I don't want to just bore you Isaiah said I I got a visual into the throne room. You can read this in Ezekiel chapter 1. You can read this in Revelation chapter 4. And what this is, is a snapshot of something that is going on in eternity. And he said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord setting upon a throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Now, there, there are a lot of things that I don't have time to mention here, but let me mention the train. In Old Testament times, and one of the custom was that when a king won a battle, they would take a piece of cloth from 6 to 12 inches, and they would sew it to the bottom of the train of the king. And so God said, let me show what you what a train really represents. Uh, when you see me in my glory... My train fills the temple because I want you to understand that you're serving a God who has never been defeated. You're serving a God that is so victorious that his train is so long that when he walks into the throne room of his glory, his train fills the temple. And I want you to understand something else because if you can understand what's going on in the spiritual, you will begin to understand what's going on in the temporal. See, so he said, I want you to see into the throne room and there the temple of God or the train of God filled the temple. Then he said, above it stood the seraphims. Seraphims were eternal beings that were created for one purpose, and that purpose was to worship God. And so he said, I want you to see the seraphims. The seraphims had six wings, and, and I know this sounds like it came out of a, a Stephen King novel or something like that, but it didn't. He said, this originated in the eternals. 
And he said that the seraphims had six wings and with twain they covered their face because they could not even look upon God because God was, was so radiant and so powerful and so majestic and they were not, did not consider themselves worthy to look upon the throne of God so they would cover their face. And then with twain, the Bible said they would cover their feet because there's something about having your feet uncovered in, in the, the presence of royalty. So they said the seraphims would cover their feet because it was an act of humility that there was only one worthy to walk there was only one worthy to have his feet exposed and then the Bible said the with the other wings they would fly they flew around the throne room of God and Isaiah said I'm looking into this and it's amazing and it's powerful and it's spectacular but he said there's something else that was going on in that presence they didn't cover their mouth and their mouth was open and the Bible said they were crying one to another saying holy 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 they cried one to another holy they were they were vocalizing their 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 praise see praise did not originate on the earth praise originated in the eternal that's what makes praise so powerful ladies and gentlemen when somebody opens their mouth and begins to praise him it's not something that originated here it's something that was birthed in our spirit because we're made in his image and we're made in his likeness and so that's why ladies and gentlemen you should never make a praise team stand up here and work themselves to death trying to get you to praise he said enter into his gates with praise you ought to walk into the house of the lord with your mouth open saying it was the lord it was his doings i just came to praise him i just came to give him glory holy is the lord god almighty can i help somebody today we wear the praise team out trying to get them excited about something that we're not excited about but if your spirit ever gets in tune and that's what the praise team is trying to do it's trying to send it up so the glory comes down so when the glory comes down ladies and gentlemen something begins to radiate inside of you I'm preaching to some people today you didn't even understand what you were feeling you didn't understand the emotions that were trying I want to tell you what it was it was something eternal it was something eternal that's trying to break. Because remember, we're first of all created spirit beings before we're created natural beings. So let's go a little deeper. What is the greatest enemy of letting our spirit respond to the creator? The temporal, the body. Well, Pastor, if you knew what I went through this week, I don't feel like raising my hands. Pastor, I did 75 push ups before I went to bed last night in my arms. I heard it. See, that's what I love about Paul. Paul was so practical. He, he writes in his epistle and he says, bodily exercise profiteth you read it oh we focus on the little because we want to eat no Jesus. 
He said, bodily exercise profiteth little, but it does have a profit to it. These people doing CrossFit, and I see them doing their big old ship ropes. Like, uh, I'll pass. Give me another scoop of mashed potatoes. I'm exercising my elbow. I'm kind of one of those persons every time my elbow bends, my mouth opens. See, the reason we serve donuts on Sunday is to just but bodily exercise profiteth, but the profit is little. There's something inside that wants to give God the glory. There's something inside that wants to be released. And Paul said, let me tell you the battle that's going on. Let me tell you the struggle. He said, there's a spirit inside of me that wants to be released into the heavenlies. But there's an earthly tabernacle. There's an earthly temple that's focused on what I've got to do tomorrow and what I've got to do this week. I'm not minimizing that we live in life. But what I'm trying to maximize us to, ladies and gentlemen, is that inside of us is something more valuable than the temporal. Because I tell you today that you can begin to praise Him and the chains of circumstances will begin to fall off. I was, I was preaching, and I don't normally tell stories, but I was preaching one night in a church, and I was preaching about releasing your praise and releasing the spirit that is within you. And, and as I was preaching, a lady jumped to her feet, and she said, I just been healed I just received a healing why because when you begin to praise him and your spirit begins to be released it will affect the temporary and it's something that the enemy is trying his best to get seven cities church not to understand but if you and I will begin to understand when we begin to praise him and when we begin to release let me tell you ladies and gentlemen sin will begin to fall off when you begin to praise him when you and I begin to release the eternal spirit that is within us chains of darkness will begin to fall off Fetters of alcoholism will begin to fall off. Drug addictions will begin to fall off. When you and I begin to release the eternal. So, I've got to close as I really start here. So, you, you see into the heavenlies. As the praise begins to go forth and that's why the psalmist said oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt him together because there's something about when you and I begin to release the eternal that the temporal all of a sudden takes a second place 
I don't feel like praising him. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, I've got all these bills, Pastor. If you knew what bills I had, if you knew what I was up against, if you knew what I've, I'm facing this week, if you knew the circumstances, and, and I'm not trying to, 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 to tell you that, that praise is, is, is the, the, the medicine that does away with all of your problems. What I'm trying to tell you is that when you and I begin to praise Him, it causes us to take the focus off the temporal. And we begin to see the very the, the verse that we focused on today was thy will be done. Thy will be done. The will that is in heaven. The will that you have established for me. I, I'm doing horrible today, but I'm going to try to get better. The will that you have established for me. See, some of you are fighting so hard in the flesh. You, you are fighting so hard in the flesh to make something happen. And, and you can't make it happen. Some, some of you are, are struggling. You, you've got this turmoil that is raging inside of you that you're trying to break loose. And you think the battle is in the flesh. Pastor came to tell you that the battle is not in the flesh. That the battle is in the spirit. And, and you're trying to battle something that is spiritual with temporal meat. See, that's why some people just won't pray. Some people just won't pray because you don't understand what prayer does. Prayer is the catalyst that brings us into the will of God that His will is done and not our will. See, see, most of our, let me help you here for just a moment, I, and then I'll have to go. But let me just help you, because most of our prayer is simply trying to tell God what I need you to do. God, if you give me this job, if you let this, this purchase order be released, woo, it's going to open my financial future for decades to come. God, if you give me this woman, I don't know where that came from. If you give man, if you give me this business, if you open the door to this property, oh man, there is no limits. And what we see are through the eyes of the temporal. And so it was not Jesus that said to his disciples, hey, let me teach you to pray. The disciples had seen through the life of Jesus because many, many nights, in fact, almost every night, Jesus would slip away from the disciples and he would go to the mountain to pray. And they knew something that happened because when he come off of the mountain, he would say to blind eyes, see, and they would see. He would say to crooked limbs, be straightened, and, and the limbs would all of a sudden begin to operate. Uh, he, he, would, he would just absolutely do phenomenal things. And they begin to realize something's happening when he goes away, that when he comes back, demons are subject to him. 
powers are subject to him. Sickness is subject to him. Elements are subject to him. He can stand on the bow of a ship and say, peace be still, and the waves calm down. What in the world is going on? And, and they, they look and they're like, oh man, something is happening. What, what is making? And they begin to realize the prayer. They had seen John teach his disciples to pray. And they realized that something happened in the spiritual realm that would affect the natural realm. See, our idea, we got it all backwards. The modern day church has it all backwards. We want to say a five minute prayer and then we're praying or we're trying to cast out devils for four hours. Jesus would pray for four hours and speak to demons and instantly, the Bible said many times, immediately they came out. Immediately they received their sight. Immediately they were healed. And so the disciples realized that what he's doing over there is affecting what he does over here. And the church hadn't realized that yet because we, we want to just say, glory to God, in Jesus' name, be, be healed. And they begin to understand that what he's doing over there has a dramatic effect. See, the, the Bible said, that the disciples or the apostles came to a place that they were bringing the sick just hoping the shadow of the apostles would fall on them and when the shadow of the apostle touched them the Bible said they were healed they were sending napkins that were anointed with oil and they were taking them all over Jerusalem and the sick were being healed but you know what was going on in the background they were praying they were praying. And so he says, they said to him, would you teach us to pray? Sure. First of all, you've got to acknowledge that he is our father. I've gotten my notes today. I don't have time to go there. But if you begin to study the word reconcile, it is so powerful. Reconcile, the first mention of reconciliation in the scripture is when a man is praying and in his prayer he said, oh, I remember I've got ought against my brother. He said, leave your gift at the altar and go make right with your brother because when you and I are not reconciled, and this is the very first thing that Jesus said, are. Somebody say are. O-U-R. Our Father. What's he saying? The church must first of all come together as one. Paul said, let there be no division in the church. The church has to come together in harmony. Because when you and I pray with division, when you and I pray, we're praying in the flesh. And he said, until you go over and get reconciled with your brother, your prayers are not going to be effective. So our Father, our Father, I, how is it when I get down to pray that I think, oh my Lord, I need to go make that right with them. Lord, I want you to forgive me. And we think that pacifies it. And Jesus said, no, you need to get up and you need to go back over there 
and make it right with him because you cannot call him our father when you have hate in your heart. You cannot call him our father when you have prejudice in your heart. You cannot call him our father when there's divisions inside of you. You cannot call him our father when you can't hate, you can't stand to be around somebody that you see. John said, you can't even love him you've not seen if you can't love the very person. Oh man, this is kind of heavy today. It's kind of heavy today. But you you got to understand, the first premise of prayer is a prayer of unitedness. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom I dare say, I dare say, and I'm going to close because I'm some of you just like, what are you saying, Pastor? I don't know. Maybe if I looked in the mirror, I'd say, what am I saying, Pastor? The greatest division, and this is where this whole series was birthed from about eternal matters, is the division between the spirit and the flesh has gotten so huge and so divided that even on a Sunday morning some some of us here today have yet to come to church oh you're here in body but but your mind is somewhere else you're you're present in, in the physical but your mind your spirit is somewhere else and and the praise team works so hard to try to detox anybody hearing me today am I just should I just go ahead and close I guess we need to put some spiritual detox in the coffee. Because we're so bound. It's not new to us, ladies and gentlemen. So don't, don't, don't feel like you're too original. Because the disciples came to Jesus and they said, you know what, we left everything that we had to follow you because... We thought you were setting up a kingdom. And, and literally, ladies and gentlemen, the disciples thought Jesus was setting up an earthly kingdom. And they wanted to be the first invested in it so they got the best positions. And so one day, Peter comes and he says, he said, you know, we left everything. I left the boat. I left the nets. I left my future. I left my career. Man, that had been in the family for centuries and decades and years, and I left it all to follow you. And it doesn't look like what I, I thought was going to happen. See, some of you are disappointed because life doesn't look like you thought it would when you gave your life to God. 
Somebody convinced you that when you gave your life to God, there'd be no pain, there'd be no struggle, there'd be no bad things, it'd be a primrose lane, and you'd never have to go through any misery or suffering. And you got a, you got a utopic mindset that, man, I'm going to have a perfect life here, and it hadn't worked out. Like, And you're kind of disappointed in God today because it just hadn't worked out the way you thought it would. I thought you was going to set up an earthly kingdom. I thought I was going to get a position. I thought people were going to respect me. And Jesus said, I tried to tell you that my kingdom was not of this world. When John the Baptist came and he said, prepare you the way of the Lord for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was not talking about an earthly kingdom. He was talking about a spiritual kingdom. He was talking about something that you cannot see. Something beyond the expectations of the temporal. I showed you the tabernacle because I wanted to show you physically what I was going to do spiritually. And even quoting the scripture, and I love to quote it because I think it is so powerful. When Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, he said, Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart. Notice what he's saying. Eye, ear, heart. But what I am trying to show you is something more powerful. See, what I'm trying to preach, ladies and gentlemen, is that if we can come into the kingdom of God like He wants us to come into, that there are literally things in this earth that will be broken. There are spirits that will be broken. There are adversaries that will be broken. There are diseases that will be broken. If we can step into the dimension that God is trying to take us to, and he said, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither hath it entered the heart, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But these things are revealed unto us by the Spirit. And so he says, when you pray, you pray, thy kingdom come. What, what, what is that, Pastor? What is that? It's saying, not, not what I want. See, some of you, some of you don't understand the pull that you feel in your life. You, you, just, think, you just think you're restless. You, you just think that, that you're going through midlife crisis. And, you, and you, you don't understand the pull that's going on in your life. I'm trying to show you today that that pull is, is not just temporary. God, I feel like I'm not even making sense today. That, that, that pull... Is, is not something you can see and so you're trying to wrap your mind around it. I'm trying to help you understand. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom. Not my kingdom. See, one of the biggest problems, and I, I'm, I'm going to give you a little insight into, into the operation of the church for a moment, okay? One of the biggest problems is in, in church activity is that we see something working at another church. Y'all y'all hear me? We see something working at another church and so we bring it 
to our church thinking we're going to have the same results and it doesn't work oh man it's blowing and going over there why won't it work here because it's not for here and, and then we ask God to validate something that we want to do when God said that's not for you oh, I wish I had time to really break this down I, I really do. Because you've looked at some businesses and you've looked at them and say, man, I'm going to get into that because look at the success they're having. And yet you get into that and it falls flat. And you want God to validate something that He hadn't authorized. So how can I avoid that, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked. You can avoid it by saying, Thy kingdom come his kingdom in my life will not look like his kingdom in your life his design for my life is not the same design that he has for your life and so when I say thy kingdom come I'm saying God align me with kingdom principles so that my life will become most effective. The will that you have in heaven, let it be done in earth. Because that's the only way I'm going to be here.